Hey, everybody, welcome to the Healthy and Thriving Relationships Podcast. We are Gordon and Tara Avery, a husband and wife team that is super passionate about healthy and thriving relationships. Everything from dating to marriage to faith to yourself, you know, we just want all of your relationships to flourish. So grab a cup of coffee, take a seat, and let's do this thing. And everybody listening, what a wonderful day it is. I love this. Sitting on the couch again, drinking a latte, looking at my gorgeous wife. Uh, what could be better? You know, no need to worry. Yep, nothing. <laughs> this is, uh, nothing. as good as it gets. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's pretty good then. It's pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> oh man, today we are starting a brand new series Woo! called Crushing Anxiety. Crushing it. Crushing it. And this episode, uh, I'm super excited about the title of this episode. This episode title is So Fresh and So Clean. Hopefully, uh, that'll make sense by the end. Yeah, I'm not even going to explain <laughs> it. You just have to figure it out by the end. Um, oh, but man. yeah. Well, we're doing a series about how to crush anxiety because anxiety mm-hmm. is so prevalent in yeah. our culture today. And just let's start by kind of defining anxiety, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Here's the definition of anxiety. So we're all on the same page. Anxiety is what we feel when we are worried, tense, or afraid, particularly about things that are about to happen or which we think could happen Mm. in Mm -hmm. the future. So that is what anxiety means. Um, Worry, tense, afraid, all of that. Yeah, I think we've all had times of feeling anxious and fearful about things. And um, I mean, even one study revealed that 40 million Americans currently have an anxiety disorder. 40 million? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's not like a huge surprise considering what's been happening these last few years with politics and pandemics and issues of injustice and all that causes a lot of inner turmoil in a lot of people and lots of anxiety. I know that I have struggled with it myself. So yeah, totally. It's not a surprise, but, and then also sadly in Denver specifically, teen suicide has been at an all time high. Yeah. I think it started in 2020. It Mm -hmm. was like warning signs actually to parents. Like we've never seen such high teen suicide rates, Mm -hmm. which is just, uh, it's just wild, you know, seeing that. And so, you know, you can, do you feel it? You know, like you might be listening to this and you're going, yeah, I can totally feel it. it, Like it, it even almost makes you feel anxious just thinking about these things that we just brought up. You know, you're like, oh, great. Now I'm even more anxious because you're bringing up all these reminders. (laughs) We get it. I I feel that too. Um, Statistics just in itself can be so overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but they also prove kind of where our culture is at right now. Yeah. And our go-to responses to ease our worries just really don't seem to be helping much. If you mm-hmm. look at the statistics, um, we have cures, yeah. quotes, <laughs> like um, I think one of the hugest cures is numbing out. Yeah, and It can be on anything, just numbing out on XYZ, and it's just not working for us. Mm-mm. No matter how hard we try to make it work, we go back to that thing again and again and again, yeah. or just avoid it. Avoidance is a huge a huge thing. Yeah. Um, so then how do we crush anxiety when it rears its nasty, ugly head? <laughs> <laughs> um, the answer, honestly, as we're going to talk about today, might surprise you. Yeah. So I'm excited to get into this. Yeah. Um, this is a topic that I'm really passionate about, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. So yeah. I'm excited. We really did like a deep dive into this. And you're right when you say the answer surprises you, because it is not what... How, it's not what you'd expect, which seems to be like wisdom for life. Mm-hmm. Usually the thing that is the right thing is the thing that you wouldn't expect. <laughs> yeah. It's the, you know, 
Uh, as Proverbs says, you know, there's a way that appears to be right, but mm-hmm. it ends in death. Yeah. Um, and that's so much of life. You're like, this should be right, you know, but obviously what we are doing to try to fix anxiety is not working if anxiety just keeps increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So let's dive in. Let's talk about it. So I guess the first question would be like, where do we find the answer? You know, like, where do we find the answer to help us with anxiety? And as many, you probably know this, listening to this podcast, that me and Tara are are passionate followers of Jesus. So our first thought would be, well, clearly, does Jesus have anything to say? Does the scriptures Mm -hmm. have anything to say on how do we deal with this? And luckily, (laughs) there are lots of places, um, but one we're going to dive into that for this whole series that we found to be really helpful and insightful when we really dive in and zoom into it. Um, There's an entire letter in scripture, an entire letter that's dedicated to this topic. And so this letter is written to a community that is struggling with anxiety. And it's written to them from a guy who should be anxious but somehow isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so <laughs> this is a letter actually from the Apostle Paul, and he's writing it to a Jesus community in Philippi. So ancient Philippi, the Apostle Paul writing to this community. Um, and what's so interesting about the book, so that's why it's called, the letter is called Philippians, because mm-hmm. it's to the Philippi um, people called Philippians. There we go. <laughs> it actually reads more like a letter than uh, like the, a letter between friends then rather than more like most of the structured versions of Paul's letters, you know, most of them are like teachings that he's writing to a Jesus community, but Philippians kind of feels like you're just reading someone's personal mail, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. So what's going on in in the world in this time? Because I know that you mentioned that the Philippians are really anxious and even mm -hmm. the author Paul is, should be struggling with anxiety, but isn't. So what, what is the background situation here when Paul's writing this letter? Yeah. Okay. So let's put some perspective on what's going on here. Um, so Paul, um, he started a Jesus community in Philippi. Um, and so Paul, from the beginning, he started this community of believers. So he cares about it deeply. So he I'm cares guessing. about it. Yeah. He was there from the ground up, you know, um, like when you have a project and you're like, you created it, you're like, Ooh, this is my baby, you know? Um, so he started that. But in the meantime, while he's writing this, Paul is actually currently in prison awaiting trial. Um, where he could be potentially put to death. Oh, um, yeah. Should be struggling so with anxiety. So he should be struggling it. with anxiety. You know, okay. if you're on death row, you should be like mm-hmm. a little bit like, um, like what's going on? And so what happens is is the, the Philippians, they send financial aid to Paul during this time through their mutual friend. Um, and his name is, what an epic name. It's like Epaphroditus. I think I'm, I'm probably butchering that, uh, but that's yeah, his name. Something like that. Epaphroditus. Um, <laughs> The Philippians, they send some financial aid to help out Paul during this time. Um, but while Ephroditus, uh, Ephroditus is there giving financial aid to Paul, he ends up getting deathly sick and actually almost dies. Mm-hmm. So he's on the deathbed for a while. Um, and so that's really causing a lot of anxiety for the Philippians because they know their friend. He's stuck there now in Rome because he's on his deathbed. Also, at the same time that all of this is happening, the Philippians were also in Philippi being oppressed by their faith. So they're being persecuted and oppressed. Their friend, Paul, is on death trial, as well as their friend that's sending them aid is also like on death. Like like, try, like struggling for his life. Struggling for his from life. sickness, yeah. So they had a lot to be anxious about. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. That's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, so Paul is actually writing this letter specifically um, to help them respond to all of this anxiety and okay. kind of guiding them and encouraging them. And so it's actually quite nice for us that we can have an entire letter, that the entire focus was, I know you're going through a lot. There's a lot to be anxious. Here's what you need to do mm-hmm. and how to deal with it. All right. So this is what Paul in his letter to the Philippians says to do. It's in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. 
Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Mm, Beautiful. So that's the passage that we're going to then like dive in Mm -hmm. um, on how to deal with anxiety um, over this series. Um, but, But let's zoom in. Let's zoom in just on like this first. Just the very first chunk. Little first chunk okay. and, and see what, what Paul has to say on what's the first step in crushing anxiety. Okay, so I'll read the first chunk okay. again. It said, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. And remember, the Lord is coming soon. So that's what we're going to focus on. Yeah. So this is Paul's first words of advice for how to crutch anxiety, apparently. Um, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I feel like there's some problems mm. with this. I'm, you know, like when someone gives you like, "Hey, here's some advice," and you hear it and you go, huh, "I don't know about I that. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that." Uh, Okay, so his first thing that he says, okay, you're going through a lot. You're dealing with anxiety. Here's what you need to do. Rejoice. 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 Woo. Well, that seems like it's hard to rejoice when you're anxious. Yeah. Isn't that just gonna, like, isn't that just kind of ignoring the problem? Like trying to look at the what's good instead of actually dealing with your anxieties. That's what it seems like to me at least. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, yeah. People who suppress their fear with a happy face, they're often depressed and lonely. Like we know this. When someone's like life is rough and they just go, no, everything's great and fine. And they pretend that it's good and just Mm -hmm. ignore it. They end up becoming more depressed, more lonely. So that's a problem with with what he's saying. Rejoice. Just rejoice. And you're like, I I think… Shouldn't they like focus on their problems? Shouldn't they admit it? Or what's going on there? So that's that's a problem. Okay. And then the next thing he says is be considerate. Okay, here's another problem. Uh, how can I be patient and gentle with others when my mind is a flurry of emotions? Mm-hmm. You know, like, isn't this just behavior modification? Yeah. Which we actually know um, from, from study is behavior modification is just a short-term fix. It doesn't really solve anything because you need to go under the surface. Don't mm-hmm. just change your behavior. No, just act this way. And you're like, yeah. but there's things underneath that need to be dealt with. We need to get sure. to the root of the problem. So it almost feels like he's just saying like, just, you know, just like, just be nice to people. Okay. Like, I know you're anxious and you're like, but it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. When your mind's a flurry of emotions and it feels like this is just trying to behavior modification. So th- that's also something that I feel like I have a little bit of a problem with it. Um, yeah, sure. That makes total sense. Then what do you think about the last part when he says the Lord is coming soon? Um, this is interesting. Uh, if you look at the way it's said here, um, it's like basically rejoice, right? And treat everybody, be considerate with everyone. And then remember the Lord is coming soon. So it seems to... St- Paul seems to be saying that he believes that you can rejoice and be considerate if you just remember the second coming of Jesus. Hmm. Here's my question. How is that actually helpful? Yeah. You know, like how is, um, how is remembering that Jesus is coming soon actually solving my struggles with anxiety today? Yeah. And it actually makes me think of like, I would think that this would actually cause more anxiety in some How people. So? Like I, I know so many, well, I wouldn't say so many. I know in my past, there have been people who even just thinking of eternity mm. um, brought a lot of anxiety. I think just that fear of, of the unknown of what that, yeah. of what, like, what does eternity look like? Or what does heaven look like? Or like, what are we going to do? Or is there going to be marriage? Is there going to be work? Is there gonna, just all these questions about it? There's no clarity in it. So Does that it brings bring more. Yeah. Like the fear of the unknown. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you just think about every like movie that's ever been done or novels about the second coming of Jesus is like the craziest stuff ever. <laughs> and like things, it's like apocalypse and people are just like, yeah. or, you know, and so it almost feels like Jesus' second coming sounds kind of terrifying. Like you just mm-hmm. read Revelation of Jesus coming back and you're like, oh, that sounds like some crazy stuff is happening. Totally. But Paul's saying, cool, awesome, you're anxious. Well, you can rejoice and like be really great to other people and do that because you can just remember Jesus is coming soon. And you're like, now I have more anxiety than I had before. So it just mm-hmm. it's starting to feel like, you know. Yeah, totally. So it kind of feels like so far, um, everything Paul is saying just seems like it's making things worse. Yeah. Really, this isn't helping, Paul. For some people, it's not helping. It's not better. At first glance, um, Paul's answer is not helpful. Like we just talked about, like, wait, yeah. he says this, but this is the pro- these are the problems, the questions that arise. Um, so next, we just want to break down what Paul's actually saying. Yeah. Um, like we want to answer what hope is actually found in the second coming of Jesus, mm. because on the outward glance, it doesn't seem very hopeful. Yeah. So we want to, we want to like debunk that in a way. Yeah, totally. Okay, so... Let's break this down. If Paul says the hope is in the second coming, essentially, is what he's saying. Um, what does he mean by that? And what does that really like look like? And maybe that will help us understand why he's mm-hmm. saying, hey, remember, Jesus is coming soon, so you can rejoice and be glad and you can treat other people well. Um, and that's how you can... So, we need to break down. What, what does the second coming look like? Because I think we really... Honestly, we haven't taught this well in the church totally. for a long time. I was, I was going to say, I grew up not even having any idea. It was heaven was was what was set, like the second coming was heaven. Yeah. It, I don't remember hearing about the new earth. So. You just hear about like when you die, you go to heaven, but there's not really any even talk about second yeah. coming. Yeah. So I think, and I think that there's a lot more clarity in the Bible than we actually think, which goes back to your point of it hasn't been taught well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm yeah. excited for this. Let's, let's dig in. Okay. So the first thing that the second coming means is a new earth. Mm-hmm. Now, the new earth has been a theme throughout the entire Bible. It's like not like a new idea. This isn't, um, Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew. Um, he, he says this. He says, truly, I tell you, this is Matthew 19. Truly, I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And I actually love on this passage, John Eldridge in his book, um, All Things New, he he, he quotes this passage and then he, and he says this. I think he says this beautifully. Um, he goes, at the renewal of all things, God's intention for us is the renewal of all things. <laughs> this is what the son of God said. This is, this is how he plainly described it. I can hardly speak. Really? The Greek word used here for renewal is palagensia, which is derived from two root words. Paling, which means again, and Genesia meaning beginning, which of course harkens back to Genesis. Genesis again, Eden restored. Could it possibly be? Hmm. Sometimes comparing the work of various translators can get us closer to the meaning of the passage. And he quotes two more. So here's the same passage again, but in um, the first one's like in the message. So here's how uh, the, the message says, Jesus replied, yes, you have followed me in the recreation of the world. When the son of man will rule gloriously, you who have followed me will also rule starting with the 12 tribes of Israel. And not only you, but anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, because of me will get it back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. Hmm. Or also like in the NLT, Jesus, it says like, Jesus said, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new. So like Jesus is, is mentioning something here about there's a renewal, the world is made new, and it's actually pointing back to Genesis. So the, the Eden, you know, the Garden of Eden, that will be restored. And so yeah. that's, 
Yeah. Yeah. And like you said earlier, it's it's not a new idea that's talked about through the whole Bible. Um, it's talked about here in Isaiah 65, 17 through 19. It says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. I think what's interesting here is the same language that Paul uses. It's almost like he's harking back to Isaiah, which was like way, way back, mm-hmm. um, back in yeah. the day, is rejoice. It's connecting God's like new heavens and new earth. And then at the end goes, so rejoice. So clearly this is a new earth. And then there's also the same thing is to rejoice. So there's like that connection as well. Right. Yeah. And then we see this idea of the new earth again, and it's in Revelation. So this is after Jesus. And um, so I'm just, it's like little verses throughout the whole Bible. And there's more than just what we have here. But in Revelations 21, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Mm. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death and or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Mm. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Mm. Oh, wow. What a beautiful passage there. So I love that we just quoted basically the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the future. So we have like words from Jesus, Isaiah, Paul, and um, you know, John in, in Revelation, and they're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, they're saying that the end goal is not heaven, which is what we've come to believe, mm-hmm. but the new earth. You know what's interesting is I think when I really focus and we talked about heaven is not the goal, the new earth is the goal. There's something about that that allows me to put my hope in that. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like, because I think sometimes we get anxious because we think about heaven. You're like, what would that even what be? What is that? Yeah. You know, like, are we like floating just- <laughs> spirits? Like, or like, you know, like angels and we're all in like white robes that are really ugly. And we're like in like, you know, playing harps on clouds. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like there's no, there's nothing in life that's like an experience like that. But like earthly things, um, like we, we're going to be on, it's going to be an earth. An earth. Like, an like we earth. have an idea of what earthly things are like. Yeah. Like earthy is something that we can understand like a little eat bit. And drink and taste mm-hmm. and like all of this like stuff that's really earthy that we really, really love and enjoy. There's actually a lot of hope that you're like, wait a minute, we're not going to some ethereal place. It's heaven comes to earth and it says God will reign and be with his people here on earth. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the first thing that the second coming means is this earth is actually like going to be restored and the brokenness will go away. And yeah, that's where we're crazy going to because live. Because it's not just hopeful for us, it's hopeful for like the earth itself. Mm. Like it's kind of crazy because it says in scripture that the earth has actually also been like craving mm. being made new in itself. Yeah. In Romans eight, it says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will rejoin, or sorry, where it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Mm. That's just crazy to me. Groaning like in childbirth. I can imagine, you haven't given kids yet, but... Um, that when it's time and you're like in uh like labor pains that you're gonna be groaning for this kid to like come out. <laughs> yes, I will. 
or like, we've had friends that are like really pregnant and they're like, I just want the baby to come out. You know, like they're grown, just cannot wait. Yeah. What crazy imagery for Paul to say, like even the earth mm-hmm. is actually cannot wait. Like, oh yeah. my word, can Jesus come back uh-huh. so that I can be freed? The earth wants to be freed from death and decay. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. Wow. All right, so the hope of the second coming, as Paul was talking about, first is that it means that there's going to be a new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that the, the second thing? Yeah, the second thing would be so get that's in your minds. Get heaven out of your mind and start thinking new earth. Um, the second thing that the second coming means is it means new bodies. Mm. We're going to read a, a couple passages, one from Philippians and Romans. Let's read those both, and then and then see see what it's what it's saying. You have those ones uh, pulled up? Um, oh, yeah, I do. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there's three. Okay. I got confused for a minute. Okay. Uh, Philippians says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change Mm -hmm. them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Wow. And then again in Romans, it says, and we believers also groan, even though Mm -hmm. we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we, lo- if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Mm. Both those passages talking about the reason I'm craving is not so I can get rid of this body mm-hmm. so that I can get a new body. Well, in a sense, it's like, um, I, I'm tired of this body that I'm in. I want a new body. And what's interesting is Paul says, the new body is like Jesus. And Jesus spent a lot of days after his resurrection, um, resurrection proving to them that he still had a physical body, but this body was different. It was so perfect. That people didn't even recognize him. Yeah, but they like knew it was him, mm-hmm. but they're like, I can't question. I know it's him, but it, sometimes you're like, whoa, what, mm-hmm. what that's like. Uh, and so that is what's beautiful. Is I think so much, you know, Plato quote, what he said was that the, the, the body is a prison house for the soul. There's been this thing of like the body's bad. We just need to right. get rid of it and mm-hmm. go off and be, you know, free spirits. And that's the goal. The the Bible is clear that that's not the goal. We're not becoming spirits without a body, mm-hmm. like to be human. God's trying to make us human again. And what it means to be human is a body. But what's amazing is that it's, it says without like pain and the death and decay, the, how much pain does our bodies right now give us? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't want to be free from it. I just want it to be vital and alive and thriving. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's the hope that we're looking for is a new physical earth and also new physical bodies that are way better than ours now that are not going to have death and decay. And so that's the second thing, which leads us to the third thing that the second coming means. Mm. When Paul says second coming, you know, he's also means this. It also means a new government. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that's really surprised me a lot. Um, and at first glance goes, I don't know if I want there to be a new government, but it's actually really, really good if we dive into it. <laughs> but that's what it also means. Um, Jesus is making a claim um, that he is king. And you can actually see this in Philippians 4 that we've been working on this passage. It says, remember the Lord is coming soon. Mm-hmm. Now, Lord is a title that we don't really use nowadays. Right. So we just think of the Lord, oh God, that's what it means. That is not what Lord meant when Paul wrote it. Lord was an authority title and Lord was a title given to Caesar, who is head of all like Rome at the time. 
And so it was actually, you could get in really big trouble, potentially put in death, if you said anybody but Caesar was Lord. And Lord meant you are the top dog, you are authority, Mm -hmm. you are the king, essentially. So when Paul says, remember, the Lord is coming soon, that is a controversial thing for him to say. This is part of why he's in jail in Rome, looking to possibly be put in death. It's because he's going around saying things like, Jesus no, is No, Jesus king. is actually the king and He's not Caesar. Authority. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, e- yeah. But this is shown even in Isaiah, hmm. um, early Isaiah, like Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he hmm. will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. Mm. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Mm. That sounds like a pretty great government. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what, what, it's, what it's saying is, if he's Lord and all this stuff, the government will rest on his shoulders it means that Jesus is going to be king in the mm-hmm. second coming. Yeah. As in, there's going to be no other authority but him. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be like voting in, you know, our new, well, I hope this I hope this new authority leader will be good, you know, because right. the last one was horrible. Um, and if there is an authority figure, that means that there's a structure to that. That means that that is a, a government. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of like Philippians earlier. Um, Philippians 3 says like... Um, that we are citizens of heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, citizen um, is a citizen is like a government description of people. It means you can't be a citizen unless you're inside of some sort of governmental structure. And right. so, what that means is we will be a part of something that is structured, but not like the way we think of it now. You know, Jesus will be king, um, and so this means that there's going to be a new government than there is now. You know. Wow. Yeah. And one more verse about the new government because mm. oh, it's give it so to great. Me. I love it. Um, it's in Isaiah again. It says, I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, and your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set. Your moon will not go down. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. Mm. I guess that answers the question of what kind of government will it be? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a government like that where there's rejoicing when people are a part of this and right. like their joy will never end. And like your sun will never set like a beautiful poetic way of saying like mm-hmm. all of your, um, all of your hopes and dreams are not going to be failed and you're not going to be disappointed. And that's what it looks like. It's saying when Jesus is in charge. Right. And um, you know, I think yeah. that's, and that is thing. really the hope that Paul is speaking of mm-hmm. is the hope of this second coming entails the new earth and the new bodies and new government. Even, yeah, I mean, new earth. I was going to say <laughs> new world. And I was like, oh, wait, we already said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's saying to remember the new earth and mm-hmm. remember the new bodies and the new government that Jesus is promising will come. Mm. And when you think on those things, like when we're feeling anxious and we can think on these things, mm-hmm. we can actually rejoice always and be patient and gentle to those around to, to those around us. And we can be hopeful. Oops, sorry, I'm adjusting my seat. <laughs> we can be hopeful when we experience our anxiety. Um, because oftentimes, like, like this is the hope that we're supposed to put. Yeah our like faith in when we're feeling anxious, but sometimes we like misplace that hope. And I think that that's um, the understanding of our true hope is what, is what Paul is trying to get to us. But oftentimes we hope in other things. Yeah. So that's what second coming is. And that's why Paul says we can hope in it because we're going to have a new earth. We're going to have new bodies. 
and Jesus will be ahead of the new government. And it's the kind of government like you've never experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fair. It's just. It's loving. It gives you the perfect amount of freedom and structure and uh, security and all of that stuff. And that's why you can hope for mm-hmm. it. Um, I think it's like kingdom is used like 126 times or something in the in the Gospels. Kingdom is a, well, it's a monarchy. <laughs> yeah. It's Jesus is king, and that's a really good thing because he's shown that he's trustworthy and true, you know? Um, and so, misplaced hopes. I love that you bring that up, that usually we experience anxiety when we have misplaced hopes. Yeah. And so... Um, I guess this would lead us to ask, how does this hope, if Paul's like, this is what I want you to do, rejoice um, and be considerate of other people. Because remember, Jesus is coming, the Lord is coming soon. And so now we know what that looks like. That's what he's pointing towards. And he's saying, that's what you can actually hope for. But often we misplace our hope in other things and they Mm -hmm. actually cause anxiety. So maybe let's talk about like, what are some of those things that cause anxiety. They're the things that we place our hope in mm-hmm. or they're things that, you know, just in general um, cause anxiety and all that stuff in this life. And, and let's talk about that and show how like the hope of the second coming can uh, displace that anxiety to mm-hmm. where we can have hope yeah. and we can crush anxiety. Perfect. Um, one of the first ones I think of something that can cause lots of anxiety is the idea, the idea of YOLO. Mm. Um, only living once or or FOMO, you know, yeah. fear of missing out. Um, this idea that we have to get in as much as we possibly can in this one life um, before we die because then it'll be all over. Like, yeah. it's important for us to remember that that's not true. Yeah. Like, we have the new earth and we're going to have experiences in the new earth. Mm. And so we don't have to like rush to get everything accomplished or do everything we want to do or see all the things we want to see now. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about this of there's so many things in this world that you would love to be able to see. Mm-hmm. But if it's this world is made new, now it, it's really important to know that it's not the way the Greek is written. It's not a, um, a phrase that means you wipe out from scratch and you just build something completely brand new. It's not I'm making all new things. It's making, I'm taking all things and making them new. Like restoring them. Yeah, it would be like um, like restoring a home that was like a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. And you see someone like Chip and Joe or whatever, that they they restore this house. And you walk in and the, and the response is usually the same. I can't believe this is the same mm-hmm. house. But it yeah. is the same house, but it's been like made new. And you're like, this is better than if we would have even gotten a brand new home. Right. You know, like, and that's what the experience is. So what that means is if we don't get to go, if I don't get to go and finally see Italy, um, I'm still going to get to do that in the new earth. I'm going to get to see the new earth, Italy. It may not Mm -hmm. be cold Italy, but I'm going to get to see those mountains and like (laughs) be by by the sea there and all of that. Like, you're going to not have to worry about like, oh no, like I only have so much time. And you're like, you don't, you have all the time in the world. Quite literally. Um, mm-hmm. So this whole, like, as as followers of Jesus, the last thing we should ever say is like, you only live once. What are yeah. you going to do with your one life? Um, it's really not helpful long-term. Mm-hmm. What we really, as Paul's saying, is not that like, hey, remember, you only have so much time. He's like, remember, he's coming soon, which means you can hope in the new body and the resurrection and the new government. Like, you don't have to worry if you don't get it all in, right. you know? Right. Yeah, so I think that is one. Mm-hmm. that can cause, especially nowadays, like you look on social media and it's just everyone traveling everywhere. Yeah. So that makes, makes people you want feel to travel. Anxious. It makes like, you feel I, I like you're yeah. missing out on all this travel. And then you're worried about money because you're like, do I, I don't have enough money to mm-hmm. experience all the things I want. So I do this. Like it just causes so much. So, so much you stress. really, Paul's like, you don't need to worry about that. Like yeah. you're, <laughs> you're totally fine. Um, another one is marriage, I would say, like, or the desire to be married. Like, um, we have a lot of single friends and marriage is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about how singleness is also beautiful. Um, Each season is beautiful, but um, that fear of, that they have of like, I'll never get married. Mm. Um, Or that they have a deep desire for marriage, but it just doesn't seem like it's, when is that ever going to happen? Um. 
if we actually look in scripture, it seems to be assumed that marriage actually might exist in the new earth. Now this is, okay, this is a controversial thing that I we're know saying. It is. <laughs> um, because we were just having discussion uh, with people in our community. We were discussing this and talking about like Jesus coming back and in, in some of the responses were, well, maybe like after I get married and at least experience a honeymoon and then Jesus can come back. Oh my gosh. I used to say stuff like that all yeah. the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I want Jesus to come back, but I mean, I'd really like to experience marriage. And what happens as we go is the belief is, well, there's no marriage mm-hmm. in eternity. Now where that's coming from is from scripture. Now let's break this down for a second because we think that may, we believe this may be misunderstood. Now hear us out on this a little bit. Um, where this comes from is you have the Sadducees coming to Jesus um, so Jesus is in Jerusalem and he's being questioned by the leaders. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to make him stumble so they can cause something, they can find something um, to discredit him with, you know, essentially and be able to get rid of the guy because he's causing a lot of ruckus and they don't like mm-hmm. it. So the Sadducees, um, they come to Jesus and they create this impossible situation about in the Jewish system, you've got like a, a woman and if she, or if her husband dies and he hasn't given her a child, then it's, Hey, brother next in line, you need to marry her so that you can continue the family line and try to have a child with her. And they create this whole situation and all of this stuff about, she goes through seven brothers, then she dies, never had a kid. And they're like at the resurrection who she married to. <laughs> And now here's something really interesting. And Jesus says, like, you don't understand the power of the resurrection, or do you understand the scriptures? We'll be like angels not giving in marriage one to another. That that's what he says of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So that seems pretty clear, right? It sounds like Jesus is saying there's no marriage. in eternity, there's no marriage. Mm-hmm. New earth, there's there's no marriage. Now, a few things that we have to keep in mind here. Here's the thing about the Sadducees. They're asking Jesus a question about the resurrection. The irony is. Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They're asking him a question about something they already they don't, don't believe, believe in. in. Wow. Okay. Another thing is um, they also don't believe in angels. And so Jesus responds <laughs> by saying, um, your first problem is you don't know the scriptures. Now that's pretty offensive to the Sadducees because their big pride point was we actually know the scriptures better than anyone else. And most mm-hmm. of the things that everyone believes are all superstition. They mm-hmm. really only believed in the first five books of Moses. And they're like, the rest, no. You guys are all superstitious. You believe in things like resurrection and the angels. We know what what really, we, when you die, you're just done. Um, so they're asking a question that they really don't care what the answer is because they don't even believe in it to begin with. And their goal is not to get the answer. Their goal is just to trick Jesus. So they're creating weird loophole situations just to get him to stumble. Mm-hmm. So Jesus gives them a loophole answer back. He says, he answers with things that they don't believe in. He adds in angels, which they didn't believe in either. So he says, we'll be like angels. And so he's kind of giving, he's giving them what what they're giving him. So that he's like just giving it back to them. Mm -hmm. Now, technically, if you think about it, Jesus says at the resurrection. Now, when you look at all of the passages in scripture that talk about what the second coming is going to be like, you have the resurrection and then you have a ton of stuff that have to happen. Between the resurrection. Between the resurrection and the new earth, Mm -hmm. actually. You have the resurrection of the righteous. Then you have the resurrection of everybody else that's ever existed. Then you have final judgment, all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. then you have what we read earlier, the heaven and earth being reunited. Mm -hmm. So it is possible that Jesus is giving a technically correct, yet at the resurrection, we're not going to be given a marriage and all of that. But that's, there's a lot between that and the new earth. I see, okay. So there is a technicality. Here's the other things to, to um, keep in mind. The hope of the new earth is the hope of Eden restored. Mm. The Bible is very clear about this. It's the same story throughout the whole thing is Eden was lost. How do we restore it? Mm-hmm. And that's the hope is that Eden is restored. Um, all of the descriptions of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth if you look at them, they're all like describing um, basically the Garden of Eden. There's mm-hmm. so much imagery describing that. And so here's what we're going to think about. Think about the Garden of Eden. When was it that God said things were finally just right? So when there was marriage. 
Mm-hmm. It was when Adam and Eve came together and they were created to be one in marriage. Then God goes, this is very good. And that's like the height, that's like the climax of creation culminating in the Sabbath, which is now de- celebrating all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, if Eden is restored, why is it that God's like, yeah, we're going to restore everything except for the greatest thing I ever created, marriage. I just, I'm just not able to do that. We're just going to do get rid of that. Right. Like to me, I go. Something seems wrong there. If it's if Eden is restored, like it, it should include marriage, you would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the fact that heaven and earth coming together is described as a marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, God, we are described as you know bride of Christ. That Israel is my wife. You know, my beloved. Jesus uses that description. Marriage is used all of the time. Right. And so in my mind, I go. The new earth doesn't, it, it It almost doesn't make sense without marriage, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And also I've noticed that whenever anyone, we say, well, there'll be no marriage in the new earth. You notice everyone's reaction is, it's not like, it's oh, I'm hoping for that. I'm disappointed. It's disappointed. It's, ah, I don't want it to come yet. I'm yeah. always weary of things that instantly make almost all of us go, well, then maybe it'd be better for Jesus not to come yet. Like maybe right. live my whole mm-hmm. life and die and have a happy marriage and then Jesus can come because right. I don't want to miss out on that. Sure. Um, and so that that has always been curious to me um, <clears throat> that I think maybe we're really misunderstanding that. Mm-hmm. Like if Jesus didn't have that one passage, you would never think that. Um, and totally. so- yeah, and again, we're not saying this is for sure. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but to consider it, because there's a lot of hope in that. Yeah. Um, and just like you were saying, yeah, why would we be so disappointed and not want something so great to come? Because we're like, no, I got to do this first on earth, like yeah. in a broken world. So I don't think you need to stress out about marriage yeah. here and making sure you have it or if it wasn't the perfect sure, marriage. Yeah. And- in the end, it's just remembering like whatever God says is good mm-hmm. is that's what we... We yeah. trust him. And, and if we're wrong and it's like, no, we're all going to be single for eternity. I know that in that moment, God is so good and wise that I will agree with him and be like, oh no, he was totally right. This is yeah. actually way better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of a win both ways, right. I think, mm-hmm. but maybe something to consider. Something to ease our anxieties on this mm-hmm. side. On this side. Yeah. An- another place that I think we misplace our hope in um, and that also causes anxiety is work. Um, and so for, for, for those of us that are high achievers or have big dreams or all that kind of stuff, you know, eternity sounds like we're not going to work, which for some of us are like, thank goodness. And others are like, if you really are honest, you're like, that's kind of leisure for eternity. I've had people go, uh-huh. well, I want to get bored, you know? Right. And so what do we do with work? Um, work is already stressful. Um, but then if you really think about it, if there's nothing for you to work on for all of eternity, that, that that's actually not really a great thing. And so what do we do with work or the stress of like, because I'm not going to work ever again. So I only have these 80 years to accomplish all the dreams that I have, because then I'll just be in forever leisure and worship land, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is that what the scriptures say? And what do we do with 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 work? I think you've pulled up some passages to to, to read. On, on yeah, this. there are some passages in Isaiah. Um, uh, Isaiah says, "Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore." Mm-hmm. That's reassuring too, because sometimes we're like, "Well, what, like thinking about like, well, aren't we going to miss so and so?" And he's like, "You're you're not. Gonna are we going to like thing. be sad about our like memories <laughs> or whatever?" Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> It says, in those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees Mm. and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord and their children too will be blessed. Mm. Yeah, this is a, a, a passage about the new age to come, as the as the Jewish people put it, as Scripture says, which is describing when the Messiah comes and makes all things new. Um, as a side note, you notice that it mentions children, kind of for our last point, mm-hmm. that there'll be children. So that's an interesting thing. I feel like it goes with marriage. But mostly this is talking about, it's interesting work. Like notice that it's like they'll 
build houses and there'll be yeah. like vineyards and all this stuff. Like to people manage. are like, that and, takes work to do. It, right. it sounds very like really earthy, mm-hmm. you know? I actually love, and uh, we're quoting a lot from um, John Eldridge's book, All Things New, which is a remarkable book on this on the subject. Uh, he, here's something that he says when it comes to like work, because, you know, like the question of how are we going to spend our time in eternity? And like, what do I do with work and mm-hmm. all that stuff? It, I love how he says this. He says this, all your creativity, and gifting will be restored. He's talking about at the second coming. All your creativity and gifting will be restored and then some when you are restored. All of that latent potency inside of you, so damaged here, marred, frustrated, never given the opportunity to grow and develop and express itself. All of it completely restored, including your personality. What will we do in the life to come? Everything you were born to do everything you've always wanted to do, everything the kingdom needs you to do. Mm, Wow. want you to know like you're going to get to work, but without the curse of everything being like hard and not working, you know, without toil. Mm -hmm. We worked in the garden. We were designed to work and the curse was not work. It was toil. Now it's going to be hard. You're going to barely survive. It's going to be stressful. Yeah. You're going to be worried. And we won't, you don't have to worry about now. Like, first of all, you're not going to be get bored because we're going to have a lot of work to do. But there's not going to be the stress of like, but how am I going to survive? And if I don't get enough hours in this week and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, it's going to, you're finally going to get to do the things you were always meant to do. Yeah. Work this, will be just like so enjoyable. Yeah. So there's no stress on that at all. And I think that's another big one that comes mm-hmm. up is just the idea of work, you know, it brings anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Um, then there's just a few more here um, that can cause us anxiety just really quick is um, politics is very, Oh my gosh. Very big deal. <laughs> Especially <laughs> and it recently. it causes yeah. lots of tensions and conflicts and all of that is wrapped up in anxiety. But I think it's important to remember that um, it's all going to fail anyway. <laughs> Which for some that sounds like, wait, is that good hope? Yeah, we are we live in a broken world. Yep. And thus we have broken systems. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do what we can now to make things right, but we can't place our hope in these flawed systems. Yeah. Like our hope doesn't isn't there because it's flawed no matter what, but we do the best we can. Um, and it's just, you know, government isn't gonna fix things. Yeah. So it that's actually really helpful if you go. Obviously, if Jesus is coming and is creating a new government, that means that ours is going to fail. Yeah. Which means, listen, that doesn't mean check out. It just means that you don't have to stress about it. You already know it's not going to work. It's just a short-term mm-hmm. fix. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that we don't do our part. And, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, you don't need to vote. Like, I, I do believe that it's important to yeah, vote. Love and, your neighbor, and, which means things that will affect your neighbor. Yes. You should just be involved in, just mm-hmm. understand. But also, there's not the stress of, I think, so many like people that call themselves followers of Jesus are putting their hope literally mm-hmm. in government structures. Yeah. And you're like, uh, have you read the Bible? Cause it, it's all broken and it's mm-hmm. not going to work. And eventually it's going to get so bad that unless Jesus comes back, yeah. uh, as the scriptures say, like no one would survive it. So mm-hmm. clearly it's not going to work. And there's things we can do to, to be wise and to like bring God's rule now and all that stuff. Right. But you don't have to stress about it. It's all going away <laughs> because it's so it, it like just don't place your like your hope in that. Yeah. Um, because we await a government that will fix everything. Yeah. It's going to fix everything. And so there's hope in that. There's like stress for now, don't have to worry about it. And there's hope for the future yeah. for that. And reminding that God is like the justifier yeah. and he will bring justice. He'll to take all. care of it. He'll make sure that everything is wrapped up nicely, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, and then the final thing that we'll just touch on really quick is death. Death can bring us lots of anxiety. In fact, you might say that all of these, hmm. every single one of these is connected to the ultimate anxiety, which is actually death. Yep. I mean, FOMO, fear of missing out. You only live once, death. Marriage, you know, yeah, like what if I die before I get married? with our expiration date. Yeah. Yeah. 
totally work and it's dead and we're working so that we don't die. So there's a stress of that. And then we're like, well, will I be bored in eternity? Because what if I get the end and I didn't never accomplish the dreams that I had put out and I fail at it and all this stuff and politics is like, we're trying to keep this thing from falling apart and there's death involved and all of there's war. If we don't do politics, mm. right. And there's like death is as the Bible says, death is our enemy. It's our number one enemy yeah. is death. But as Jesus people, we don't only live once. Remember that. We've said that multiple times. You mm-hmm. do not only have one life to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's part of the hope. Yeah. And death has been defeated. Yeah. Like that too is like, we don't have to worry about the future because that's already been taken care of for us. Yeah. If you think about it, um, if you die young, uh, in some ways it's a blessing because that just means you're getting to the resurrection faster. <laughs> You're going to open your eyes. Paul and Jesus always described death as sleeping. And when you sleep, you're not aware of how much time is passing. You know, Mm -hmm. it feels like you just fell asleep and you just woke up. Yeah. And so that hope, I remember being taught this. It was a beautiful thing I was taught is like when you die and then when you wake, it'll be like, you won't realize how much time has passed, but it's going to be the resurrection and Jesus is coming. And you know, like, you're like, oh, wow. So there's not much to fear, but of course we don't want to die because it's not natural to us. We were never Mm -hmm. designed to die. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- there's the stress of that, you know, anxiety of death of remind yourself of these things. Um, and I think the most important one when it comes to death is those are loved ones that have died and it sucks and it hurts. We just recently went to a funeral with uh, one of my best friends growing up and his mom suddenly passing and it's just devastating. Mm-hmm. And, but the beautiful thing is when you think about the second coming is, oh, we're going to get to see them again. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see my grandpa who I was named after. And, you know, like he died when I was like in sixth grade, which means I didn't really get to really get to know him the way I would love to know him now as an adult. Yeah. And he was one of the heroes of my life. I'm going to get to see him and he's going to have a new body. Yeah. And it's not going to be the broken one of cancer that killed him. Mm-hmm. He's going to be young and vibrant and like, the best version he's ever been of himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like what a hope. So even yeah. when our when our loved ones die, it's just, it's not a goodbye. It's just a like, hey, we'll see you later. Yeah. You know, we'll see you in a, we'll see you in a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh man, hope is so powerful. Man, it, it is. And as we've been talking about all of this, like we discovered that research has actually shown, this is a fact about hope that is just wow. astounding. That research has shown that hope literally heals the structures of our brains. Whoa. Yeah. Hope. Hope. Heals the structures of our brains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we are feeling anxious, oftentimes, like we said earlier, that that comes from a lack of hope or a misplaced hope. And so no wonder Paul is like, oh, he understood. Like it, Mm. it all comes down to hope. And the second coming of Jesus is all the hope that we need. Even for this life now. Mm. I guess that's a good thing to remember. Whenever I have anxiety, it means I have misplaced my hope in something um, that I shouldn't be placing it in. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really important that all of this thing does not mean everything that Paul is saying for us to do, rejoice and Jesus is coming soon. That's where we place our hope. This does not mean you'll never have anxiety Mm -hmm. again. It means that when you do, because you're going to, you're going to have anxiety. So when you do, this is the first step. And the first step could be written down in maybe one word. It's remember. Remember where you're placing your hope. It's in Jesus coming again and all that that means. So when you have anxiety, your first step is to remember. This is why Paul says to his friends, remember the Lord is coming soon. And so Mm -hmm. that's really the first step is to remember where is your hope and where are you placing it? And if it's in the resurrection, it's in the new earth, it's in Jesus being king and his new government that he's bringing, you are now reminding and placing yourself like into reality itself. Mm -hmm. This is actually what's real. All of my fears and stuff, that's not what's real. That's what's real. And no matter what, things are going to turn out great because that's where I'm placing my hope. And that's why Paul says the first thing you need to do is remember. And when you remember, you'll be able to rejoice and you'll be able to treat other people well because you're not so stressed because you're reminding yourself of where you're going and what God has promised. Wow. 
Well, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff. So much you could, it was like, there was it was like so one much. sentence or um, something. And it's yeah, amazing how much the, you can pack remember it. Remember, we you know? are focusing this series on Philippians 4, 4 through 9. So we just kind of unpacked the very first step that Paul um, shows us to do when handling anxiety. And next week, we are going to learn step number two in how to crush anxiety when it pops its head up. Beautiful. Awesome. Can't wait. Um, in, in the meantime, if you want some resources that specifically on this um, step of remembering and remembering the second coming and the hope and why we can hope for that, read All Things New by John oh, Eldridge. That's so good. We cried so much. Oh man. And cried, Tears of joy. <laughs> cried. Yeah. I was just going to say cried just out of relief and joy and excitement. Yeah. And it is, this book literally took away so much anxiety from our life mm-hmm. so read all things new by john eldridge it's incredible um also feel free to check out our website terrangordon.com and um yeah and then next week brand new episode two. we'll talk about step two all right you guys have a great one mm-hmm.